0: Running Sentences presents Pirates, Politics, and Potentially Treasure Book 1, Part 5 Arrival and Judgment Cordite and company head for the capital, but they find themselves held up in the politics of the situation, as the rest of the galaxy sorts through some terrible, terrible news. Story is written and narrated by Michael Honorey. This is a work of fiction. Any names, characters, businesses, events, and situations within this story are products of the author's imagination. Any resemblance to real people, real situations, events, characters, and or fictional events, characters, businesses, and so on is purely coincidental. Copyright 2023, Michael Honoring. All rights reserved. After sorting out landing papers and paying the right amount of money to make people look the other way, things were settled. Zul was free to travel about the small city which had grown up on this asteroid. He went straight to the government building and after a bit of bluster, found himself in the office of some small executive, one who no doubt had no power and would brush him aside in a moment's notice. The pot on the desk, a clear see-through bowl, filled with some liquid, like Contained this alien that he had to talk to. It always felt a bit off and odd to talk to aliens of different sizes and shapes for Zul, but he dealt with what he'd had to do. And fish-like ones were always a bit weirder, and this was a tiny guppy little thing that kept darting about in the bowl. Well, what is it you wish to talk about? about Well, Mr. Zul, I have a, a lot going on and no time to waste. I'm looking for Cordite Mercury, who has been here on this asteroid. How nice for him. Uh, Why are you seeking him out? Uh, Forgive me, I misspoke. I'm not actually seeking him out as a person, but information as to what he was doing here and why he was doing it. Fish in the bowl, the name Fry below it, darted about the liquid substance which contained it. I repeat my question, why do you want him? He's being put in a dangerous position that will change the outcome and livelihood of many pirates. I wish to make sure that potentially doesn't happen for him and to him. I do not have any access to any such information that we give you. I would give you any such answers. It would be best to ask him personally if he's here or not. Can you at least give me where he stayed? I know he was here. It is important, since the galactic government will come down on all of us if we don't find him, including here, if we don't do things, if things don't go the right direction. We are under threat, and it is a bad threat. The fish named Fry was looking away, swishing its tail at him. Zul was unused to being treated in such a way, and stayed there for a minute. He wanted answers, and this fish was going to give it to him. Listen, I don't want to get dirty here, but it is a life-or-death situation. No response. Having had enough, Azul rose from his chair and leaned over the desk so that he could stick his hand inside the top of the bowl. The cold liquid was at first a bit much, but he let himself get used to it, and began chasing the small fish about on the insides. Every time he felt like he got close and went to close his hand... Fry darted out of the way. Stupid, I Fry, is that your name? I just want answers. None of this is necessary. I just want... If you would talk about what I wanted... The door had suddenly opened in and came the secretary, holding a blaster laser pistol. It was shaking in her hands, and she'd obviously heard the commotion and came in to see what was what. Zola looked over at the banging door and stopped trying to grab a hold of the fish. Leave my boss alone! He has information I might need. I can shoot. To this, Zol removed his hand from the ball and stepped back. She shuffled to the side, leaving the doorway open for him to leave. And so Zol left, even though he was pretty sure he could have taken her. Having enjoyed her last few days of not having much to worry about other than the sun, Utility strolled around his lounge room, a place for games that they'd never gotten around to, but uh, he liked to look at them. He was alone in the room, waiting for the next controversy to pop up. There was always something when it came to the government and others trying to have their way. The reward for this notion came when there was a knock on the door, which opened with the head of corpo floating in after a moment. Utility turned and watched as the head came towards him slowly. Well, if it isn't the whip for my party who only shows up when things are bad, what is it this time, hmm? What great problem has fallen on us? Pirates, sir. Oh, what about them? Are they attacking us? There are reports that they've taken up the offer that was put out there, bringing them into the Galactic Government. Utility's face darkened, but he nodded, realizing what was being told to him. And we will have guests, then? According to my sources, yes. They will be on their way soon, and are arriving at a planet where they can be offloaded and then will make the jump here. Well, that is not ideal, but we shall accept them with open arms. We can't appear to be going back on what we said before, now can we? Who exactly are they, by the way? An unknown pirate group, um, but their leader is a cordite mercury. They aren't well liked by others, but that seems to be the reason that they were put forward. You know, political games. Hmm, yes, any word on any complainers from our side on this? I expect lots of moans and groans about it. Panic and fear mostly seems to be the mood among politicians and civil workers. But it hasn't been raised beyond that so far. "'Good to hear, Corpo. Shall we go be presidential, then? Work out what all of this means?' "'As you wish.' Utility began moving towards the door, as the head of Corpo waited for him to go out first, and then followed him. The landing pad on Planet Syntax-1 was a rather shabby one. It had made for a rough landing on the already puttering barge of a transport, but it got down in mostly one piece. A few panels may have dropped off here and there, both on their descent and when the landing gear crunched under the weight of the ship landing. There were also a few soldiers there who greeted them and moved them to the customs lobby office, where they now sat waiting to be seen. Number 41, please come up to desk number 17 out rose after glancing at the little slip of a ticket that had a number on it. With a sigh, he rose up and began moving down the rows of numbered desks that were before him. He didn't bother trying to count, since there were only two desks that were actually open. One being seventeen, and the other was twenty-four. They seemed to be going on towards fifty, but he stopped at the seventeenth one, at the desk he'd been called to with the worker, with the name tag Blues, was quickly typing away at a computer and moving paperwork about the desk. He waited for them to finish what they were doing, and to say if it was okay for him to sit. When there was no such comment coming, he decided to sit down and wait for this alien to say anything at all. It took more than a minute before a glance came his way. Welcome to Planet Syntax 1. Oh, why are you here and what are you hoping to accomplish while here? I'm here because I was nominated to work with the Galactic Government. My crew and a few others will be catching the next ship once uh, we've secured passage to the Galactic Capital. I see. What is your name then? Cordite Mercury. I worked as a ship scavenger and salvager. There was a nod from this short creature, almost gnome-like, but perhaps a bit bigger. That qualifies you for this nomination? Probably not, um, but it is a job, and I wasn't given a choice about it. So, yes? The person behind the desk hemmed and hawed as they stared at the screen, scowling with their face at it before glancing at Cordite again, and then back at the information. There was something wrong, but he couldn't get a read on this alien. Is, is there a problem with my passing through this planet? I don't think anyone wants to hold up the galactic government with simple paperwork. We're just here to move on. Yeah, yes, there is. Uh, we have a, we have to have shipping orders and flight plans in order to let you through, and uh, we have none of those on our system. You can't come in without those. Uh, can I leave, though? We can stay at the landing pad until the ship arrives to take us away, galactic ship whatever you have, anything, you know, we don't really need to be here, here. You can ship us off. Suggestion had caught this blues off guard, and she pushed her chair back from the desk. There was a moment of thought about this after her move, and then she looked to him. Give me a moment, I I don't know. And with that, she disappeared from view, with a soft patter of steps retreating away. He sat back for a minute or two, just looking about the simple room. There were rows of desks, and nothing extraordinary about this steel-beamed room. And there was also lots of chairs in the lounge area, but all in all, not much. The sound of steps coming towards him made him look over to see where they were coming from. There was nothing to see, so he sat fully up to see a gnome-like person from before, and a snake getting into the chair. Ah, hello? The snake rose up so that it was standing on its tail, coming up well over the dusk, almost meeting his eyes. You have a problem coming into our planet, yes? He nodded yes. And you're asking if you can stay here until a sheep comes along to take you away? I I would never enter or exit the planet on paper, yeah. Me and my compatriots would be here, but not here and the Galactic Government would not have to throw a hissy-iffy fit about things. You are part of the Galactic Government. Oh, Cordite frowned, thought about it, and tried to come up with a good excuse for what he was about to say. Soon to be, maybe, uh, it was an appointment as a representative, but uh, that relies on an okay from the bigwigs at the Galactic level, and my, I guess, government level? Yeah, not totally sure. The snake seemed to consider this and did so while twirling about in a circle while remaining where it was. The move was almost hypnotizing for Cordite, who looked away to keep himself from staring at the oddity. It soon stopped and he he could look over again. We have a place you can stay on this landing pad, an old disused repair hangar. You will stay there with your group until the proper authorities have been contacted and we get the okays from them. The galactic government, okay? Sure, uh, have someone bring us over there then? He was unsure if he'd actually succeeded in anything, and so he got up from his chair as the snake came around to lead him and his group away. The transport ship Galactic had exited the atmosphere of the Grogian planet and was puttering its way towards deep, dark space. In the cargo bay of it sat Nero and Tullus, along with a cadre of armed guards. They looked about nervously as the ship went on its predetermined route. There was a captain of the boat directing them and a helmsman, but they were there to observe and not interfere with anything whatsoever. No touching, nothing was allowed. It wasn't going to be a long trip, thankfully, since there was no cabins aboard. They would jump which was dangerous in such a small vessel, Uh, but things had come a long way since the first attempt to try such things, and they had a decent success rate. A crewman came down the line, tied to a strap, that could move about the place. He was checking over everyone and stopped at them, to fuss here and there, especially at Tula's, fiddling with her belt. Excuse me, but they were fine when we took off. I'm sure they haven't changed much. Sorry, we need you safe and sound for the President's request. Your delivery to work with the Galactic Government is of the utmost importance. She glared at him and slapped away his touchy hands. Don't touch me. I may not have the backing of my parents anymore, but that doesn't give you a reason to grab at me and feel me up. The worker backed away, his hands up and beat a retreat back towards the cockpit. She watched him go with a heavy glare, as her Brother elbowed her to stop. That made her shift her attention to him, as he looked at her with a worried look. Let's try not to piss everyone off. You never deal with that. I have to deal with it. I get stares from all people who want to appreciate my booty. Oh, I, I i mean, actually, um, appreciate my beauty, or so they claim. Yes, yes, I i, I get that. No pro- My problem is that no one cares about us anymore. We can't just wander around telling everyone off now. I know I'm working on it, but they can't go groping me without me saying something either. He merely nodded to that and sat back and waited for the heavy jerk, which occurred a moment later, sending the ship through space. The carriage carrying Evok and Vice President Vic was gliding along in silence, another opulent perk for the leader of the Grogian Empire as it moves along the path with nary a noise. That is, other than the heavy frustrated breathing coming from the Vice-President. You did what, President? Oh, I sent the two problems that you thought would help us to start a war where they might actually start one. Plus, uh, what's the harm? Your bounty is still active. It will make things that much more interesting when they have to go to the capital of the Galactic Empire. Vic opened his mouth to protest, but found himself too frustrated to form the words at this moment. And anyway, he gave himself a chance to think about it, and there were potential truth to this idea that had been presented. Fine, but can we make sure that it will work? No, we can't, but uh, we can push things our way, and that is what your bounty will accomplish, I think. I feel a need to do much, much more. Yes, I agree. I shall leave that up to you, though, Vice President. Do keep it undetected, though. But that goes without saying. A crisp nod occurred between them as the carriage came to a stop. The door popped open, and so out Vice President Vic went. The early morning hour struck a harsh look with a glare sun obscuring all views around it. The military dropship of the Galactic Empire was settling onto the landing pad as its doors opened, and out strolled a few soldiers. Cordite and his group stood there on the landing pad for the planet Syntax-1, waiting for these soldiers in fine uniforms to make their way over to them with the usual briskness that came with soldiers. They would eventually come over, but they would stop a few feet short, examining a whole lot of them with some disgust crossing their faces. Are you the pirates? Uh, I'm the one who has been selected as a potential representative of that group, yes. I should have expected a lot of dirty scoundrels, and that's exactly what I've gotten. Feeling like the soldier wasn't going to be the most cooperative of people, Kordai did his best not to bite back at him. Still, a few comments in reply shouldn't hurt that much. We must present an image of what aliens expect of us. If we all went around clean and militaristic, they might mistake us for, well, the galactic government now, wouldn't they? And we can't have that. Despite himself, the soldier seemed amused by this. But the small smirk was soon gone. We were sent here because there is some trouble with passage to the planet Xander. Yes, it appears that some flight plans weren't filed correctly and went missing or something. I don't know. Thus making our landing here awkward for the planet and my group, because they won't let us leave without permission, and they won't let us in without permission, and they won't let us do anything without permission. The soldier did not look like he believed in one bit and began moving towards the planetary officials not far off. He watched the man go off to speak to someone as both Doc Mott and Francis came up to him. Such a nice-looking person. That's our way off this planet. We must play nice, right? And yet you say I'm the better alien at keeping my calm and negotiating things? The conversation between the government uh, official and the galactic one seemed rather heated and curious, so Cordae took this moment to turn to his friends. You are Francis. Saying what you said sarcastically doesn't change things, and stop trying to set up little traps to make me seem like I'm actually good for this. Also, you already heard me make a snide comment. Now, well, what is it you want, Mott? Your heart? We haven't had time to do a checkup, and you're worried now? She nodded yes. Well, we can do that or worry about it when we get somewhere else. Probably the galactic planet, Xander. It doesn't seem like it will occur here, not without proper facilities. The sound of footsteps coming towards them drew their glances in two directions. There were soldiers coming from the ship that had landed, and the soldier-like man who was now finished discussing things with the planetary one. They arrived at the group of pirates at almost the exact same moment, with the soldiers saluting the one who had talked to the pirates. So, Major Danby, we are all prepped and ready to go. Good. Take this lot and place them aboard. Under careful watch. I'll consider them hostile and under arrest if they look funny. There was some grousing from the pirates who didn't like being singled out and were waving their fists in frustration. We will not resist, Major Dan Bundy. You say that, but uh, you're also considered pirates. Those are the types of aliens who lie for a living. Saying something like that will not mean anything without proof or evidence that you would not. Cordite bit back the idea that he can throw those same words back at this major. You prefer us in cuffs and shackles, then. Yes, but I will observe the customs of not doing it to a potential representative. Uh, The rest of these rabble, though. Arrest them and make sure they don't make any noise, soldier. The Major flicked his hand towards the group, to which his soldiers took but a moment to begin descending and putting people in cuffs. The group were soon being corralled to the troop ship. Ophelia had, as quickly as she could, sent her ship towards the far reaches of empty space. Here, among a spot that was supposed to be empty of anything other than a few drifting rocks, sat a bevy of space stations. They were loosely near one another, all while floating through the vastness of space. It was the only haven for pirates or anyone that wanted to make something or anything disappear for a while without being traced. Her ship easily cut through this area, heading for the largest dock of the station, and the only one that they would be able to dock at. Upon stepping off of the platform from her ship onto the space station, and known simply as X, Ophelia found herself greeted, not by friendly faces, but two disappointed, older looking female figures, both who had their several arms crossed. Young one. Yes, the young one who does what she wants. Do you think you would get away with this? Ophelia stepped to the side to make sure that she wasn't blocking the way for her crew to get off, then cocked her head to the side to consider what was being asked. I was given permission to appoint a potential representative, if that's what you're talking about. That and more. Cantoon and Yelfi, I appreciate that you've come out here to admonish me for something I've done, but if you don't tell me what the exact problem is, I cannot correct it. Quite the mouth on her as well. No matter, though, I suppose that's why she's the captain of a crew. Our reasons are threefold. One, you selected what your selection was not advisable. A stranger to most of us. Two... There is a brewing civil war among factions in the galaxy, and this might unite them. We do not want that. And three. How much money did you get paid for putting forward this cordite mercury? Ophelia couldn't help but grin. This had the potential to be amusing and to piss off some of the old sect of pirates. Occasionally, it was the group that needed to be reminded that they weren't so great anymore. I wasn't paid and the decision came as a spur-of-the-moment call. It should work out well for all of us involved, and I doubt he could stop a civil war when others are so involved with it themselves and they really do want it to happen um, amongst the galactic government. There was another dubious look from each of the old ladies, who signaled that Ophelia should follow them. With a nod to her crew, she headed off down the road. She was led to the pirate government office, A few blocks away, here they went in and found their way to the back of the meeting room, where the captains that might consider themselves important enough got to visit. Ophelia followed along and went into the room to stand before the seven desks of seven captains behind them. They were all raised above her so that they could stare down and try and intimidate anyone who came before them. To her, this was more of a pretense, so that they could glare down and make contrarian choices, even though this was exactly the same group who said if she found someone, that it would be okay with them. You're making choices without consulting us, Ophelia. Pork, you left it in my hands... And I'm only doing what you asked me to do. Things have changed in the political landscape since we granted that permission. She looked between Pork, who'd been the first to speak, and then up to Murkova, the lard-ass of the group. A nickname since he always seemed to be eating some form of fat for sustenance. A claim that his group of aliens needed such fat to survive seemed dubious at best, but most seemed to not want to get involved with further questions about that. Well, he's a good choice. Why? The screech from her right can only belong to Bird, the worry ward of the group. She was on top of everything and anything that occurred. Katoon and Yelfi by this time had moved around to take up their spots. No one likes him other than a few pirates. He won't be liked by anyone, including yourselves. Besides, if the Galactic Government does do something, it will only give the pirates the chance to do what they've always wanted to do. Go to war against them. We would need to care about him for that to be the truth. And if you don't go to war because of him, Katoon, then you're proving to the government that you're nothing more than pushovers. They won't need to hold back anymore, and they will swing in here and destroy everything. There were a few murmurs from the group of seven, a few of whom who had yet to speak. They seemed more interested in speaking than actually listening to anyone else. Also, why don't you just recall him then? If he's ever to get approval to be our representative, he merely has to make a choice on a matter which you can then recall him for. Or you can just let it go, pretend he doesn't exist. Why is this such a big deal? Our problem, Miss Ophelia, lies in that sort of thing might give away. Our location. She glared towards Ogre, and the big head of this little group. All this talk about trying to legitimize themselves, and this is where they stood, afraid of being found? I have no time for your babying of this situation. Either move forward, Kill the man or recall him. It doesn't matter to me which you choose. With a final glance around, she turned on her heel and left. Back aboard his ship, and having learned nothing about Cordite and his stay, Zol went to the one place he knew he could relax. The weapons station gun range was quiet aside from his occasional laser blast towards targets that were projected in front of him. The little pestle he kept for self-defense was heating up a bit too much, so he stopped firing to study his score on how well he was hitting his targets. The screen which was keeping track of his shots was to his right and showed a miserable state. Not that he expected to do well, it was a small little gun after all, and had a tendency to go a little bit off target. Still, he would need more practice with it, and it was sort of new still. The communicator on his wrist beeped, distracting him. Yes, who is it, and what do you want? Are you in a private spot? No one listens to my conversations, Mr. Vice President Vic. I make sure of that. What do you want? There's been a change in plans. The contract to go after the two royals is worth more money now. At first, Zol didn't bother responding. He narrowed his eyes and studied the communicator on his wrist. Something was up, and he tried to put it together. A price increase meant a risk increase, didn't it? But the only place in space that would merit that. Are you telling me that your targets got assigned to the Empire? The Galactic Empire? You're supposed to be getting rid of them, aren't you? Now they might manage to do it all on their own in such a where everyone is careful to present good images. They don't present that. Disappearances happen all the time at the Capitol. Look, I'm only telling you since you seem so eager to try and wrangle prize money for yourself is a chance to make an even bigger name for yourself. I would never get near enough to do anything on that planet. Well, that's your loss. The communicator had a brief moment of static, and the connection was severed. To This was bad news, but one with potential. After all, he knew that the man in charge of being a pirate representative now, or a potential one, and he would be on the planet, and he would have some tricks up his sleeve, potentially. But he now needed to make amends with the man, and there was a chance he might not be able to act quickly, though, since Cordite hadn't, as far as he knew, been officially, officially announced yet, so he might not have any power. He was sure, though, it was a matter of time, and grinned at that. A plan was forming in his mind, with his ship returning to its previous glory as a salvager. PR representatives meet and Bottle sat in the public relations office, staring over the paperwork and pictures that had been forwarded to them. They told a simple story of a salvage pirate who went about doing jobs cleaning up space, free of control by anyone. None of the images presented a good-looking person, aside from a bit of a youthful look in his eyes. Why would they send this person? Who cares, Bottle. It would be easier to spin this if it was someone known, but we have to concentrate on what we have. What do we have on this chordate mercury, and is that approved for press? A human who worked around pirates and somehow got enough renown nominated for a grand political position. That's what we say. That's how we keep it. Do you want to spice it up or leave it like that? I mean, I say we leave it since we get less notice if it looks like a regular old assignment. Nobody's going to pay attention to that. That would be great, but uh, if the president or others make a big deal of it, and we have written up a report that just slips by... The two were pissing about the office space. It was empty aside from the two of them, um... There was plenty of desks for workers with papers and computers piled up to do work on, should that be needed, but there was never really enough people hired to do this job. And when it came down to introducing new representatives or controversial figures, things came screeching to halt with only a few people working on it, namely these two right now. This was to keep secrets and make sure that things didn't leak out before they were ready. Uh, We need a sign from the government on which way we're to look at this. Yeah, that would be great. Are you going to talk to the people in control? I doubt that, since they don't like any questions, and I've heard rumors about that those that do become prisoners. Meat paused, frowned, and found a nearby seat to sit down on. He was confused by the whole matter and why it was so important. Pirates were always just pirates and just aliens who were... Yelling around doing their own things. Sometimes they raided places, but never anywhere important. And now this. Why don't we do both? Not make it look important, but make a big deal about the announcement. That could be great meat. Uh, still, it would be better if we knew which way the government is going to lean. Right. He leaned back in his chair, looking off to the distance, trying to figure it out. What way they might go, while Bottle joined him in his forlorn look, trying to find some good in all of this noise. Meat's eyes would eventually fall on the nearby call computer, which would route any calls about business to them. It was quiet, as was the office. Well, since no one is going to tell us anything, I say we can get information straight from the source. Meat rose from his seat with confidence, but he wasn't exactly sure of where it was coming from. It was here now, though, and it was best to make use of it. Wait, what? They'll likely make you disappear. Well, that's better than working here and trying to find the invisible line that you're not supposed to cross, and you'll inevitably get wrong and cross and then be to disappear anyway. Words came to bottle, but she couldn't figure out what to say. She mouthed some stuff, but kept quiet, and Meat had made a great point that this work was terrible and not having to do it anymore would be a much better life and option. But if they got sent right back here with an answer, and did the good job, what would they do then? The sudden beep, beep, beep of the coal computer shook them both. Meat had been looking at her to see if she was going to come with him, as he was about ready to stand up. But since she had been daydreaming, pretty much trying to come up with an answer, she didn't really do much. It took a moment, but eventually meat Doe for the computer since he saw the word President on the screen. The face of a man leading the galactic government popped in a 3D image before them and off of the screen. Mr. President, what a pleasant surprise. We were about to come talk to anyone who would listen to us for a moment about the new representative who might be coming. Bottle scrambled to be standing next to me and gave a brief salute and the brushed her hair out of her eyes once she'd heard what he'd said. Uh, we need to know how you wish the press release to announce this new representative. Is it a quiet affair slipping it by the people or a loud, extravagant one? Oh, uh, never mind that. He is arriving shortly on a troop transport. We need someone to look after the group. While we sort this matter out, I'm assigning it to you too. You want us to do what, Mr. Utility President, man? The image glared at me, who found himself taking a small step backward. What do you think? Yes, I want you to do this. Get to the eastern landing pad. You have an hour to get there. They will be moved to the newly built hotel extravaganza that hasn't opened yet. The screen suddenly went dark, leaving the two to look at one another and then, in a panic, flee the room. The troop transport had touched down, and had begun the process of disembarking everyone aboard. Cordite was displeased as he was let off, and his crew was still in cuffs behind him as they were coming off. He'd argued with Major De Bundy about it, but the soldier merely waved him away with a look of annoyance. Now down on the ground, matters hadn't changed, and the Major remained solidly quiet while two figures approached the ship. Both, to Cordite, looked like civil servants. A frazzled look, an expression that they wore as they got closer. They had a picture in their hand which they were holding up and appeared to be comparing to Cordite, who frowned, doing his best to wonder how they'd gotten hold of what was potentially a picture of him. Are you looking for me, I guess, Cordite Mercury? The female-looking one stepped forward and offered an insincere smile that faded in a second. Mr. Mercury, I am Bottle Bouvier. I am one of the many press relations aliens who work for the government. I could tell. What is up? Meat that was now come up beside Bottle, looking rather nervously over them. He pointed off towards a big bus transport that was now rumbling towards them with a loud, hovering whine. Things haven't been exactly settled yet by the president. Until then, you need to be kept away from everyone, uh, quietly. My entire group is under arrest, then. not arrest, per se. No, we were sorting through the paperwork and approval forms to get this all right. We're keeping you from prying eyes and any dangers that might come your way. A laugh nearly burst from Cordite at this. They apparently thought that such bland lies would work. He looked back at his friends and associates with a sigh. This would never do, as he had expected, and he was ill-suited to really do much about it. Where are we going, and can the cuffs come off of my group? There was a look of surprise between Bottle and the man who hadn't introduced himself yet. They weren't prepared for such action or questions to be put before them. Of course, they would not have any powers to make any decisions, that much Cordite could say and also let him know that this was pretty much just going to be a sit-around-and-do-nothing sort of job. Can you at least tell me what is going on here? That we can do, sir. Um, There is a new hotel that isn't finished yet, but it sort of is, just hasn't opened. You'll be sent there for holding until, like we said, the paperwork is finished. Uh, since I have no in this matter, I suppose... Lead the way to this hellhole of a hotel. The bridge of the flying concubine was quiet in the captain's orders. They were trying to sneak through, and most of the patrol spots and transport stops that the galactic military had set up were, were not making that easy. They did not want anyone who wasn't approved near the government planet Xander. That, of course, didn't stop any enterprising ship captains from trying, pirates or not. Zol watched from his perch in the captain's seat, as screens indicated where the military ships were and how how best they might get around them. The helm was tooled by the best man for the job, but it made the captain nervous, as all he could do was watch the screens in space go by as they snuck past, cloaked and invisible. Come on, keep it together and quiet. His voice, while quiet, broke the air of uneasiness that was spreading around the bridge if it had not already been there. There was only one other person allowed to be on the bridge right now, and that was the engineer in charge of the ship's systems. His soft comment brought a sharp look from the helm and the engineer. I know, I know, the less said the better. But we can't sit here in silence listening to the beeps of the computer without going a bit mad. We need other things to be said. I don't know about switching to guns when we're yet close. We need to knock out the guard satellites and stations yet close. It's the only choice in this matter. Yes, but any attack will draw attention and we will be swarmed. How many army and navy galactic ships are in this area? At last count. Max, my engineer, I put it in the 40s, and they are all around us. That's what makes this so fun, though. Besides, I'm proposing that we set a timed explosives, and then, you know, mosey out of the area, and when everything's ready to go, we blow them. Much easier way getting things done, and we will be gone already. On to our next mission. The sudden flash of a red light caught them off guard, as they looked to their stations to see what it was. Zol peered forward but couldn't tell. What is it? Things normal here, controls and helm are responding to all commands. Engines, shields, and general power levels are all stable and normal. The screens now in front of Zol, though, were one by one going blank. He tried to touch them, but they failed to respond or change in any fashion. Shit, I think we've been spotted and are under a cyber attack. Ghost F. Protocol. They have our signal and we'll probably try to do something. The loudspeaker system crackled to life aboard the ship. Good afternoon, this is Admiral Hiram of the Galactic Navy and Army. You, the flying concubine, are flying this space without proper passport or permission. You'll be surrounded in a few seconds, and yes, despite your cloaking devices, we can see you. Zol growled to himself. What to do? There was loud and fun, or quiet as a mouse with surrender in there. The second option sounded ill and boring. And well, if the idiot Cordaid really was now on the Galactic Government, he would have to clean up this mess and explain it. And he could potentially get him off. Maybe. Probably not. But it could be fun to see what would happen. Zol moved his hand towards a nearby red button. I will warn you against trying anything, Captain Zull. You are too well known, and there are no spots that aren't unknown to us, including the blank area where Space Station X hides. With a frown, Zull thought about this, then smiled to himself, and then hit the red button, sending alarms through the ship. End of Book 1, Part 5 of Pirates, Politics, and potentially treasure. Thank you for listening.